Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. Is this the best endorsement yet of the Republican control of Congress? I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that, but again, if you're getting this in November of 2023, we've got just about a day left or so to pick this up. You can get 35% off all classes at McClanahan Academy by using the coupon code BLACKFRIDAY23 at checkout. Just get that, put the put the class in your cart, use the coupon code BLACKFRIDAY23, get the 35% off. You get it on every class, including the bundles. It's my Black Friday deal, and it expires November 30th, 2023. So make sure you use that coupon code BLACKFRIDAY23 at checkout. Get that great deal and, of course, you keep this podcast free of charge by doing that. It's a win-win. You get great content. This podcast stays free. It's awesome. You can also support the show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Leave that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. This is the painless way to do it. Of course, comment on YouTube for the algorithm. Send me those show requests. All those ways are, are I mean, just fantastic ways to do it to make sure this podcast gets more eyes and ears on the show. I do appreciate seeing what you want to hear, and every now and then you're going to get your wish, and I'll talk about it. Now, this particular article, it's from the New York Times, is one of the best endorsements of the current Republican leadership in Congress, and they don't even realize what they're doing here. They think this is showing how dysfunctional the Republicans are and how awful it is and how we can't get anything done and people are leaving Congress. Is that not a beautiful thing? (laughs) I mean, you think about it. Right. What's happening in Congress right now with very little legislation getting passed, very little getting done, that's beautiful in a way. I mean, Congress really doesn't have that much to do. This is why they really, if you go back to the 19th century, they didn't meet very long. They weren't in session for long periods of time because they didn't have much to do. Congress would deal with foreign policy in conjunction with the presidency. They would worry about uh, you know, tariffs. Uh, there was, of course, the questions over legislation on things like internal improvements and banks and even tariffs. All this was hotly debated. Did Congress even have the power to do those things? So because Congress really didn't do much, you didn't have this great big swamp in D.C. These people went and they stayed at boarding houses, often with roommates. They, they had a, you know, one of the boarding houses, for example, Henry Clay's boarding house. This is where all the Whigs would go dine together in a big mess hall, essentially. Uh, I mean, this is what they did. And Congress would have a daily stipend. This is, this is what they would get. 
It wasn't an annual salary. It was a daily stipend. So while you're there, you're getting a little bit of money. But it was the whole idea was the real citizen legislator. They went to, they went to uh, Washington, D.C. or New York or Philadelphia. They were there for a certain amount of time. Nobody really wanted to be there, and they went home. And that's because the real power was at the state level. This is where the real politics happened. This is where people debated the real things. Not in Washington, D.C. And so everyone preferred to be back home rather than in Congress. But now, because Congress has become a profession, you're a professional legislator, you get all kinds of perks, and your salary is pretty decent. Um, now, it's, it's not, um, according to Washington, D.C. standards, not a lot of money uh, when you look at how much it costs to, to live around there. But regardless, if you're, I mean, it's not bad. For most Americans, they say, wow, these people make that kind of money? That's pretty good. And they, they make that money working, you know, this little bit of time every year. And, of course, they're out fundraising and campaigning and other things. And they would think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good salary. Most Americans would think that's pretty good. Now, again, uh, I think this was brought up. I think it was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez brought up. This is barely a living wage, wage for Washington, D.C. Well, I mean, look, I, I think that they could just say, if you're in Congress, you have to stay in a boarding house again. We, we put up congressmen in a, in a building you can have high security there. It's, you know that you can, you can control who goes in and out. You have a building, and people live in these buildings or whatnot. And of course, you could, the argument is, well, what happens if there's an attack on that building? But of course, you could say that there's kind of like a public housing for these people if you want to when they when they show up. But regardless, we could we could talk about all that. The fact is, Congress has become a job, and in 19, 1990s, when Republicans had the contract with America. That was one of their planks in the contract with America. They were going to impose term limits. They were going to restrict how often people could be in Congress and how long they could be there. None of that happened because these people like being in D.C. But what's happened, according to this article the New York Times, is that the dysfunction, quote-unquote, is driving people off. Well, again, is that not a ringing endorsement of the Republicans in Congress right now? If you're forcing people out, because they don't want to deal with quote-unquote dysfunction or they can't get anything done, that's a success. You've just been successful. You've stopped the headlong rush to whatever the Democrats or the left or the establishment wanted to do. You've, you've stopped it in its tracks. That is, more than anything else, an endorsement of the Republican Party right now. So again, the title is Members of Congress Head for the Exits, Many Citing Dysfunction. Again, is this not a ringing endorsement of the Republican Party? The piece says 11 are running for the Senate, so they're not really heading for the exits. They're still in Congress. They would just be running for, for a different office. They're running for the Senate, not the House. So what this piece does in saying Congress, they're talking about uh, perhaps the House of Representatives more than anything else. But 11 leaving the House for the Senate would not be running for the exits. They're just going to a different different part of the Congress, the other House. Five for state or local office, one for President of the United States, another is resigning to become a university president, and more and more say they are hanging up their hats in public office altogether. Again, is this not a beautiful thing that's come out of this Republican? 
More than three dozen members of Congress have announced they will not seek re-election next year, some to pursue other offices and many others simply to get out of Washington. Beautiful, right? Beautiful. Twelve have announced their plans just this month. The wave of lawmakers across chambers and parties announcing they intend to leave Congress comes at a time of breathtaking dysfunction on Capitol Hill, primarily instigated by House Republicans. Can there be a better endorsement of the Republican Party here? Think about it. If you've got 36 members of Congress, now there's 535 members of Congress, so you've got 36 members, it's not a large number, but 36 out of that group, not even at 10% yet, but getting close. Leaving. Well, if, if, the re, if the Republicans' efforts in the House have done this, that's great. Nothing else. Simply by blocking and saying no and being obstacles, if that's all it takes, they've done their job. The House GOP majority spent the, la- the past few months opposing its leader, waging a weeks-long internal war to select a new speaker, and struggling to keep federal funding flowing. You see, to the New York Times, anything that blocks the government from passing more and more legislation and spending more and more money is bad. You have to understand their, their position. That's all bad. So if they're not passing legislation, if they're not spending more money, that's bad. What, what, what's good is all that stuff happening. So if there's any obstacle to that, that's dysfunction. This is what people elected these Republicans to do. It's been their, it's been their platform for years, since the 1990s, 30 years. And if this is the first time this is actually happening, well, my gosh. I mean, that's, a, that's remarkable. Right-wing members have rejected any spending legislation that could become law and railed against their new leader for turning to Democrats, as his predecessor did, to avert a government shutdown. Rejected any spending legislation that become law. You see, that's dysfunction to the New York Times. Any. So, think about this. Again, you have to, just like we talked about yesterday with Elizabeth Warren, you have to understand where these people are coming from. Her position was, anything that's against the Democrats or their position is insurrection. Here, anything that's against the headlong rush to spend more and more money, to have more and more legislation, is dysfunction. If we're not passing legislation, if we're not spending more money, that's dysfunction. If we're not, uh, if you're not agreeing with us, that's insurrection. Look, I mean, the, the emperor has no clothes right now. If people are paying enough attention. This is what's happening. It's insurrection to oppose them. If you don't do what they want to do, it's dysfunction. That's their position. You oppose me, that's an insurrection position, and you're a, you're a dysfunctionist because you don't want to pass more spending legislation. That's dysfunction. The chaos is Republicans increasingly worried that they could lose their slim House majority next year, a concern that typically prompts a rash of retirements from the party in control. But it is not only GOP lawmakers who are opting to leave. Democrats, too, are rushing for the exits, with with retirements across parties this year outpacing those of the past three election cycles. So, Republicans are worried. Now, who's worried? The establishment is worried. You have people like Mitt Romney worried. You have people like Liz Cheney worried. Why are they worried? Because they, just like the Democrats, look at 
dysfunction as not getting anything done in Washington, D.C. When I mean not getting anything done, that would be spending bills. That would be more and more government control of things. That would be more and more government money. That, to them, is a functioning government. Unconstitutional spending is a functioning government. So, by the House blocking a lot of this stuff, they're actually doing what they said they were supposed to do. If you don't like that, you can vote those people out. But that's what these people were elected to do. And while most of the departures announced so far do not involve competitive seats, given the slim margins of control in both chambers, the handful that provide pickup opportunities for Republicans or Democrats could help determine who controls Congress come 2025. So most of them are people, oh, look, it's a blue state, I'm out as a Democrat, it's a red, you know, I'm out, whatever it is. A lot of that is the case. But look at the quotes from these legislators. I like the work, but the politics just no longer made it worth it. I like the work. It's a job. Now look at, uh, let me read the rest of this. Representative Earl Blumnauer, a Democrat of Oregon, said in an interview, he announced his retirement last month after more than a quarter century in the House. This guy's been there for 25 years. This was a job. He's got a full pension. I like the work. I like going to work in Washington, D.C. and working to pass legislation, and working to spend more taxpayer money, and working to do... It's a job. He's retiring from his job. He's got his federal pension. Who cares? He just got a 25-year job in the federal government making pretty good money with a really good pension, and he's out. He just admitted what Washington, and this is this is what Republicans said they were going to get rid of in the 1990s. People like Earl Blumnauer, or Blumnauer, I guess is how you'd say. I think I can have more impact on a number of things I care about if I'm not going to be bogged down for re-election, Mr. Blumnauer said. So he can have more impact being a lobbyist or something else not being bogged down for re-election, not having to go out and actually campaign and do things for his district or whatever. He can just be a lobbyist and make a lot more money. This is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, the establishment. This is the issue, right? This is what I said. The Republicans, the establishment is panicking. Donald Trump is a threat to the establishment, supposedly, even though he brings them all in. But he's a threat to the establishment. Now, I think if Trump is the nominee and he does win in 2024, which could happen, he might be a little more careful in who he brings into the administration. You're not going to see all the Nikki Haley types, I think, in there anymore. But the problem with all those people is that they're they just they're Klingons, right? They just cling on to whoever's in power. And, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then they get in, they do what they want, and that creates problems. As lawmakers consider their future in Congress, they are weighing the personal sacrifice required to be away from loved ones for much of the year against the potential to legislate and advance their political and policy agendas. In this chaotic and bitter environment, many are deciding the trade-off is unappealing. This session said Republican Dan Kildee, Demo said, I'm sorry, Republican, this session said Representative Dan Kildee, Democrat of Michigan, has been the most unsatisfying period of my time in Congress because of the absolute chaos and lack of any serious commitment to effective governance. Look at what he just submitted there. This is Dan Kildee, Democrat of Michigan. He's leaving 
because the Democrats can't get their way. They're not getting anything done. Mr. Kildee, who has served in Congress for a decade, said he decided not to seek re-election after recovering from a cancerous tumor he had removed earlier this year. It made him reevaluate the time he was willing to spend in Washington away from his family in Michigan. Well, I mean, that's understandable. But look at what he said. If they're not committed to effective governance, what does that mean? Spending more money, having more legislation, creating more rules, creating more regulations. That's effective governance. So have the Republicans destroyed the ability for Congress to function the way the Democrats and the establishment want, at least for the time being they have, which is an odd endorsement of the Republicans. They're blocking bad government right now. The dysfunction in the House majority only made the calculation easier. That has contributed to the sense of frustration, he said, and this feeling that the sacrifice we're all making in order to be in Washington, to be witness to this chaos, is pretty difficult to make. So they've she, the piece has cited two Democrats that have said we're out because, well, we can't get our way. It's about power, remember. That's what this is always about. It's about power. Representative Anna G. Eshoo, Democrat of California, also announced that she would end her three-decade career in career, her three-decade career in Congress at the close of her current term. Three-decade career. You've got one guy that's been there for 26 years, Eshoo, who's been there for 30 years, Again, Republicans in the 90s promised term limits. What they're doing is soft term limits. By creating this environment where these people can't get their way, they're heading for the door. It's beautiful when you think about it. What an odd endorsement of the current Republican majority. One of her closest friends in Congress, Representative Zoe Lofgren, another California Democrat, told her hometown news site, San Jose Spotlight, that there was speculation that Miss Eshoo was leaving because the majority we now have is nuts, and they are. But Miss Lofgren added that that's not the reason. She felt it was time to do this. No, that's the reason. She can't get what she wants done. There's no way the Democrats get anything done, so they're just going to leave. They can't, their career, they're, they're just going to retire from their career. It's over. I'm tired of this career. If they're really dedicated to principles or to something else, well, then they'd stick around. But this became a job. And they're just going to leave their job. Retire. Some House Republicans have reached their limits of frustration with their own party. Representative Kevin Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado, announced he would not seek re-election after his dissatisfaction and sense of disconnect with the GOP had grown too great. Mr. Buck, who voted to oust Republican, uh, sorry, Representative Kevin McCarthy from the Speakership, has denounced his party's election denialism and many members' refusal to condemn the January 6, 2001 attack on the Capitol. We lost our way, Mr. Buck told the New York Times this month. We have an identity crisis in the Republican Party. If we can't address the election denier issue and we continue down that path, we won't have credibility with the American people that we are going to solve problems. We're going to solve problems. We're going to legislate. Representative Debbie Lasko, Lesko, Republican of Arizona, said in a statement during the speaker fight last month that she would not run again. Right now, Washington, D.C. is broken. It's, not, it's hard to get anything done, she said. Again, what a beautiful, what a beautiful statement. 
in support of the Republicans. They can't get anything done. We can't get any legislation passed. We can't do anything. This is the problem. We can't legislate. The trend extends even to the most influential members of Congress. Representative Kay Granger, the 80-year-old Texas Republican who chairs the powerful Appropriations Committee, announced she would retire at the end of her 14th term. <laughs> 14 terms. Now, again, in the 1990s, Republicans said, we're going to have term limits. I think at some point they were talking about five terms for the House, maybe like two terms for the Senate. 14 terms, 28 years. She's almost been there as long as the Republican Revolution. Well, why do you think these people didn't want term limits? So she could serve 14 times. She's 80 years old. This became a second career, right? I mean, she's been there for 28 years. She got in her 50. She's 80. She's 80. She sat there and got another retirement out of this. Even though she's 80, she's not going to get much. But still, this is a second career for her. Even if her party manages to keep control of the House, Ms. Granger, the longest-serving GOP congresswoman, faced term limits that would have forced her from the health from the helm of the spending panel. So again, she has no she has no power. She's not going to be the chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee anymore. So she's going to leave. It's about power. You see, what this piece exposes more than anything else is what people in Washington are really all about. Power. What the thing we talked about yesterday with bending the knee and repentance and all this stuff really shows you what the establishment is all about as well. Getting their way about power, showing that they're the boss, all these kind of things. This is what it's about. Few of the retirements thus far appear likely to alter the balance of power in Congress. Well, that's what the piece was supposedly saying. Well, we're going to have this balance. But few of these people are going to really cause any problems. Where the vast majority of House seats are gerrymandered to be safe for one party or the other. Prime exceptions include Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, whose retirement will almost certainly mean that Republicans can claim the state's seat, Senate seat and get a leg up to win control of that chamber. The decision of Representative Abigail Spanberger, a Democrat, to leave her seat in a competitive Virginia district to seek the governorship also give Republicans a prime pickup opportunity. And Representative George Santos, Republican of New York, announced he would not seek re-election after a House Ethics Committee report found substantial evidence that he had violated federal law. But see, Santos is leaving because, well, he's a, he's a criminal, right? I mean, a scumbag criminal. So that's not a retirement because, well, things aren't working well. The House GOP is getting rid of the guy. <laughs> so that's something else. But Spanberger is going to try to be governor because, I guarantee you, Governor, to her, is a higher office than representative. And once you become governor, well, then you, you position yourself for a, to become senator. And then once you do that, then you're on the way to being president. It's stepping stones, right? This is a career. She's going from one political office, hopefully for, in her mind, to another. And it's a move in the career. You're making a career advancement move. And you're going to make another career advancement move, maybe when you can go to the United States Senate. This is what you're doing. You're making career moves. These people are all careerists in Washington, D.C. Many others are likely to be succeeded by members of their own party. Representative Dean Phillips, Democrat of Minnesota, 
who last month announced a long-shot bid to challenge President Biden for his party's nomination, said this week that he would step aside to focus on that race. Mr. Biden won his district by 21 percentage points in 2020, according to data compiled by Daily Cost, making it all but certain that Democrats will hold the seat. So Dean Phillips is saying, I've got to challenge Joe Biden. Again, it's about power. And probably because he didn't think he was really going to get anything done in D.C. So he's in Congress. He's going to go do something else. Maybe become a lobbyist and make more money. Representative Bill Johnson, Republican of Ohio, said he would accept a job as president of Youngstown State University. His seat, too, is all but sure to be held by the GOP. Former President Donald Trump won his district by more than 28 percentage points in 2020. Some members not seeking re-election have determined they can affect more change from outside Congress, where they do not have to contend with the same infighting, gridlock, and attention-seeking that now they now frequently drive the place. I think I will have as much or more impact as a civilian as I would as a member of Congress, especially having to be involved in a pretty toxic political environment, Mr. Blumenauer said. So he's going to become a lobbyist, I'm sure. And he's going to, look, the lobbyists write legislation... And so he doesn't have to go for re-election. He can say whatever he wants now. He doesn't have to be worried about saying something wrong, a misstep, and getting in trouble. He can just do whatever he wants. This is, again, he's going to make a lot more money. These former congressmen make money, boatloads of it, because they have all the contacts. And so all the contract, you know, whatever it's, government contract industry will go to them. And they'll say, look, we need your influence here, here, and here. And this is what happens. They become a de facto legislative branch. Or maybe a clandestine legislative branch, but this is what they are. The lobbyists are the de facto legislative branch in the United States. The Congress isn't. The lobbyists are. Lawmakers typically do not choose to leave office when their party looks poised to regain power in the next election cycle. And Democrats see an opening to regain the House majority next year. But Mr. Blumenauer, who would be a senior member of the Powerful Ways and Means Committee, should, should his party win the House, said he would rather not sacrifice time with his family. This is all just because he wants to uh, to uh, go back with his family. It's tempting, said Mr. Blumenauer. I'm going to continue working on the things I care about, but with a renewed commitment to family, friends, and fun. So again, you look at the people that this piece highlights. One thing is clear. It's power for these people. They're not getting their way, so they're out. That's the important takeaway from all of this. And for the Democrats, it certainly is about that. And this is a career for all these people. Term limits. You know, you've got Granger not allowed to be the chair of the Appropriations Committee because of term limits. So she's just going to leave. Once she loses her power, she's out. So where was her commitment to the things that she said? You know, of course, she's 80 years old. But not just that. Uh, this is what these people are admitting. This is a career. Three decades. 26 years. This is a career for these people. They're going from one office, a lower office in their mind, to a higher office, and hopefully for their mind, to another higher office. The guy that's leaving from Minnesota, Dean Phillips, he wants to have another high office, right? President, that's what he wants to do. Why be a dopey... Uh, uh, why be a dopey representative when you be president of the United States? <laughs> or maybe gain a profile, or maybe get on if if you know if he makes enough headwind and headway in this, maybe he gets a, an appointment somewhere. 
Maybe he gets uh, another position in the administration somewhere, and he does that instead of being in Congress. See, this is the thing what people don't realize. This is a great endorsement of what the Republicans are doing. If they're forcing out through a soft term limit, essentially, that's what is happening here. We, we can't get anything done, so we're leaving. That's a soft term limit. This is what the Republicans promised they would do in the 1990s. If that's what they're accomplishing now, well, that is a great endorsement of their policies and this chaos, supposedly, in the legislative branch. We know Congress only has very few enumerated powers in Article 1. Article 1, Section 8 are their powers. That's it. That's all they can do. There's not a whole lot there. We know they do way beyond what Article 1, Section 8 says they can do. So maybe by creating this chaos, supposedly, they've, they've established an environment in Congress where enough doesn't get done and all the do-gooders don't go or they leave. If Congress, if we had a real functioning government based on the original Constitution, most of this stuff would get done at the state level anyways. It wouldn't be done in Congress. So again, this is the best endorsement I've ever seen of the current Republican leadership. If they can get more dead weight to leave, more careerists out, that would be a beautiful thing. See you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.